Welcome to Inside the Four Walls. Sports nutrition, active nutrition, and lifestyle nutrition is our world. It's changing, it's adapting, and it's evolving at a pace not many of us had anticipated. And we want to know more. I've learned over the years that some of the best insight is derived through conversation. And if you truly want to understand the dynamics of the market, you need to look beneath the surface. You need to ask those from within. So that's what we're doing. We talk to people from within the industry, those that have opinion, those that have been at the coalface, and those that have been there and done it. So buckle in and enjoy the ride. I'm Nick Morgan, and this is Inside the Four Walls. Welcome to episode 18 of Inside the Four Walls. And today we have Adrian Capsulis, who is the co-founder of a personalized nutrition company called Lurvy. Now, personalization is a topic we'll have to keep coming back to. And as we know, is a big buzz area within the industry, and particularly on those whole foresight trends when people start to predict the future. But we also know it is already here, but we're all still trying to work out what it means to us and the different roles we play within the supply chain. I think what we definitely know is that it is an enabler to our industry moving forward. It's something I've said a few times in terms of helping consumers understand what to have, when to have it, and of course, why to have it. So really, the more information we can get from brands like Lurvy, from experts like Adrian, the more I think we can individually and collectively piece the jigsaw together to see how it will accelerate us moving forward. So with that, Adrian tells us a great story about the brand, of course, also how it's only two years old and becomes a spin-off of an academic university and a number of really important insights regarding product, supply chain, consumer, and the importance of technology. So with that, I leave you in the capable hands of Adrian and today's Inside the Four Walls podcast. Adrian, welcome to Inside the Four Walls. It's great to have you with us today. How are you? Very good. Thank you. Thank you for having me. No, it's our pleasure. Our pleasure as always, and definitely to come all the way back in terms of topics to personalized nutrition, which is a personal favorite of mine, pardon the pun, and um, the brand Lowy. So as a starting point, it'd be great. Well, actually, I've got to ask you, firstly, is that the right pronunciation or pronunciation? And uh, what does it stand for? And then maybe just evolve into a little bit of the genesis of the story of the brand for everyone listening. Great. Yeah, sure. Um, so the pronunciation was not too bad. Uh, it's it's Löwy. Um, and it's basically based on a scientist and Nobel Prize winner, Otto Löwy. Um, and yeah, we thought it's a nice connection. And uh, it's easy to remember. And if you get it right once, uh, it kind of sticks. <laughs> yeah, it, it will. It definitely will now. Um, yeah. So it's a nice link, though, from a scientific point of view. <clears throat> fundamentally i assume therefore is uh, principles that underpin the business so yeah it'd be great to just understand when it started and, and i guess the vision you had um for it at that stage yeah sure so uh, basically what what we are all about is to make personalized nutrition accessible for everyone so for us it's all about providing consumers with personalized nutritional products and recommendations um it basically all started yeah based on our own need basically from the customer's perspective because we we thought the whole uh, particularly supplement market 
um, it was has always been difficult for us to decide which products do we actually need. Does it actually work? And then you have all this different kind of pills, and you don't know uh, when to take it, how to take it, and yeah. Uh, but it's basically, uh, is it basically worth it? <laughs> and that's how we basically approach the whole problem from the customer's perspective. And uh, we, we are a scientific spin-off of the Technical University here in Munich. Um, so we are a Munich-based company uh, in Germany. And um, yeah, that's basically uh, uh, how we got to the point where we, where we are now. Uh, we spun the company off in 2019. And uh, we basically worked our way uh, to the concept that we are providing now, which means based on a biomarker analysis through a blood test and a lifestyle questionnaire, uh, we provide a personalized supplement that is really 100% tailored around our customers and also provide the option to track if it actually works with follow-up blood tests. So let me just... Yeah, so it's really interesting. So let me just get that head off. So when you, because it's an interesting starting point, you know, because you get some entrepreneurs who go, right, let's, I'm off. I've got an idea. Let me work out how to build it. But just give me a little bit more detail. What does a spin-off out of the university mean? Because that does happen in a lot of science and technical areas. It, it, like what is the background of the, for, for you and the founders and how does that actually work? Yeah, that's a, that's a really Great question, actually. So for us, um, the initial idea came up from out of a personal need, as I described before. Um, but then it became really clear and quite quickly that uh, providing personalization on a level that we wanted to offer, um, we kind of need to find a way to combine technology and science, because that's the only way how you can actually make personalization work um, and, and really scalable. Um, so um, we approached um, uh, Professor Dr. Sher. He was a professor at the university um, at the time. Um, and uh, basically, we started to work together. And he's uh, basically he's one of our co-founders. And he was one of the rare practitioners that were actually offering such services um, for his yeah, wealthy private clients or Olympians, because he was he's an Olympic doctor as well. Uh, but really based on a manual Excel type of way where we basically put together everything manually. And yeah, we then decided to to basically join forces and to 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 combine technology and science to actually make it work for everyone. And the starting point, if I'm right, then is you started mm -hmm. with biomarker analysis is that exactly. right exactly exactly so initially we were uh we were focusing on biomarker analysis because that it's basically the first step of the journey the, you have to know uh what you are lacking or what your status quo and potential is um to actually act on it and yeah that's basically how we how we started um the the the, the concept um but from the very beginning, uh, we were really focusing on, okay, how do we build a concept that sticks and how do we build a concept that really serves uh, the customers best and really uh, where our customers can really extract the most benefit from. And that's why it was a starting point for us to get going. Um, and then we had a handful of pilot customers, the classic alpha clients uh, who basically uh, uh, 
yeah, uh, basically develop the whole concept or where we develop the whole concept around. Um, yeah, what, what was really interesting is that uh, we rather quickly realized that um, only the biomarker analysis is basically the first part of the story and is not really what the customers are looking for because they are not looking for problems, but rather for solutions. Um, so we yeah. rather quickly developed it into uh, the personalized or rather quickly added the personalized um, supplement part to our concept as well. It's a really nice and it's a lovely insight because there's a number of stages to this and actually different companies do different things. Yeah. So within the personalization or personalized landscape, there's companies that do simply offer some DNA testing, biomarker testing, or some other form of get to know yourself and let's give you some recommendations, go and eat better. Hey, find a way. But ultimately it doesn't provide a solution, does it? So um, you have to provide a, the next step in that journey if you're really going to close out the quality of the conversation, I guess. And it sounds like from you, from consumers, they basically said, but what actually, how are you going to help us solve the problem? Exactly, exactly. It was, uh, I mean, at the beginning, everyone is excited because nobody really had experience with an app and a blood test, for example. So it was like uh, really easy to understand and nicely visualized. Um, but after the first impression, it was like, yeah, what do we do now? So how do I basically uh, improve my, my blood work? How do I improve, improve my biomarkers and my health? And um, from the very beginning, we had already uh, diet recommendations included. Um, the What we realized then was, and I think everyone has been there at the point, the classic uh, new year resolutions. So everyone is getting started and says, hey, I wanna change my nutrition. I wanna, I wanna get healthier, uh, change my lifestyle and so on and so forth. And after four to six weeks, basically most people fall back to old patterns. And that was very similar when we, when we looked at just the diet recommendations and recipe recommendations that we offered and our uh, our customers basically asked us, well, do you have any supplement recommendations? Because they basically just wanted to buy supplements or we, we, we actually could tell that they were buying supplements from Amazon um, because they, they were basically looking for the most convenient way uh, to improve their health or their blood work. Yeah. So we can either describe that as being proactive on their part or sad that they're looking for the quick fix and not just looking to eat better. Yeah. Either way, either way, you've started the journey with these consumers. So why not provide them a solution at the end of it? I want to come to the solution kind of very quickly, but I do a part of our industry, right? Is this really interesting thing where people say the barriers to entry are quite low. And sometimes use, people use that as a, a negative to say anyone can get in and they can do whatever they want. And they're a bit rogue. But on the flip side, of course, you can still get in quick, um, but still be very credible. Great. But if I look at you within two years, it's very slick. You've got biomarker analysis in place. You've got personalized product at the end of it. Is Would you describe that there's low barriers to entry for personalized nutrition? Is it easy to get started? I, I, I think it depends. Um, I think it depends what your goal is or what the end goal is. Um, I think if, if you just want to wanna launch a, a standardized supplement brand, for example, I mean, that's a matter of weeks. Uh, it's just drop shipping and there's no big... Uh, yeah, there's, there, there are no big entry barriers. That's totally true. Um, 
when you approach personalized nutrition, uh, the more personalized your products get, the higher the entry barriers are. Um, in our case, setting up the supply chain and really automizing the supply chain to a level which is really scalable, um, it's not comparable to, to, to setting up a standardized supplement brand, for example, because there, there are so many things that come into play when it's uh, in just merging technology and science and also the supply chains and all the different stakeholders um, uh, is, is far more challenging because nobody is used to it. So there, there are not many uh, suppliers or stakeholders generally um, who know what to do because there are no benchmark when it comes to personalized nutrition because it's new for everyone. Mm -hmm. um, so there's a lot of groundwork to be done um, or had to be done. Um, I think we were quite quickly uh, um, considering what we have built, um, but I think compared to, to what we are used to, uh, the development cycles or, or the development work that has to go, go into it um, is, is more or is, is more intensive than, than usual. I keep coming back to, you spun off in 2019 We've had a year like no other in between. It's 2021, so you're not that far down the line, but you've got some of this infrastructure in place. If you reflect back on what you wrote down when you you spun off in 2019, are you further down the line? Um, I mean, I mean, of course, that line could be an entirely different line to what you wrote down anyway. But how would you just describe the rate of progress that you have made? I think the rate of progress was even quicker than expected. Um... Well, it depends on which, uh, it depends on um, uh, what what you look at. If, if you look at uh, scalability and really uh, the whole company setup, I think it uh, uh, we are kind of really in plan, <laughs> um, which is a good thing. If you look at um, um, how our customers react to it and how the, what the customer consumer response is, um, uh, it's really a far better than we thought, um, which is interesting because usually as a founder, you're quite uh, uh, optimistic. Um, the, the challenge, which is bigger than expected, is uh, really customer and consumer education, um, which needs to happen up front. And that's something that well, we thought, well, if it's science-based, if it's personalized, it's a no-brainer. Um, that was the initial uh, thought because we were, as I said, the initial idea just came up because we were customers ourselves. Um, but we uh, really quickly realized that nobody knows that personalized nutrition exists. And I think that's a general challenge in the, in the whole industry um, because it's basically still in its infancy, the whole market. It, it's it's such an important point. And the, the way I describe that is, as an industry, we talk about it relentlessly because we see it as a enabler to overcome education, which has been at the forefront of both an enabler and also an inhibitor to more people buying into some great solutions to help people know what to have, when to have it and why to have it. But we're so, we get lost in our B2B area at times, rightly and wrongly, so I just kind of, can you describe what's the chasm, the gap between how we describe, you think, within the industry personalization in terms of the opportunity, but what it actually is? Yeah. 
at the coal face? I, I think I think that's a really, really great question um, because I think there's a real gap. Uh, so as we are both in the industry, I mean, the industry is, uh, in the industry, everyone is talking about it. And you kind of have the feeling that there are new companies coming up uh, on a weekly basis, focusing on personalized nutrition. Um, the interesting part is that in the industry, everyone is talking about it, but not everyone is basically working on it. And there are not many companies that are basically offering truly personalized products. Um, and then if you talk to the general public or customers, for example, um, it's always really, really interesting for us to, to, to realize that as soon as, uh, as we talk to consumers, so why they, for example, why they decided to, to uh, use Luby and how they've heard about us, it is so often that they are completely surprised and, and stunned by it and say, why, why has nobody done that before? And they have never thought that personalization would be relevant in the area. Um, and now if they think about it, they say, well, it's a no-brainer. I mean, honestly, why it's, it's about our health. Of course, it needs to be personalized. Um, but everyone is used to just consuming uh, what they're used to consume. And that's the that's, I think, the biggest challenge when it comes to personalized nutrition. It needs to be really convenient because if you look at any industry, consumers are always taking the more convenient route and the most convenient experiences and ways. Um, and I think that has been the biggest threshold for personalization in the past. Um, and I think that's something that is changing now. And I think the more we as an industry talk about personalization, uh, the more it will, I think, um, also swap over to the general public. And I think that's, it's something we cannot really, uh, I, I think there's no question that it will come and that it, personalized nutrition will be at some point the new standard. Um, but I think what will be really, really interesting is to see in which direction it goes and uh, and, what the actual trigger points will be um, uh, that, that bring personalized nutrition to the mass market. Well, let me follow that, but let me just come back. One thing, mm -hmm. convenience. What a word that is. That is an absolute, uh, that is a proper buzzword within the industry. But yeah. one that I think has genuine, um, it, it, it's very, very meaningful. It's very relevant. I think it's very correct. But convenience can mean many different things. I think the first thing people say is, ah, bars, bars are convenient because you can stick them in your kit bag. But it, convenience could be model, direct to consumer. It can be, of course, format. It can be uh, simplicity of onboarding. It can be in terms of what you go through. How, when you say convenient, I mean, maybe it's all of that, but maybe just give me a view on what you think the importance, how you do you define which aspects of convenience is important to personalization? I it's think... Yeah, I think I think convenience is a combination of two things. Um, first, it's ease of use. So it's the, the the how easily can I integrate products in my daily routines? Do I have to adjust anything and so on and so forth? Um, that's the one part. And the other one is basically um, what's the benefit? Um, because what we realize is, I mean. At the, at the very beginning, uh, for example, um, many 
people were, or, or especially on the investor side, uh, they were uh, they were at the very beginning, some were quite skeptical regarding the biomarker analysis because if you if you look at it as it is, it's not really convenient. People have to uh, prick their finger, do a blood test, but big advantage is you make your own progress and also your own health and status quo kind of visual you visualize it make it feasible for the end consumer which is a big big benefit uh, and they are happy to do it because basically now they it brings transparency to the whole uh, uh, to the whole yeah the theme of nutrition and topic of nutrition um, and the combination of both for us has always been uh, most crucial. So if you can combine, uh, or if you find the right trigger points where you say, hey, that's something what the customer really values and is willing to, uh, uh, to do. Um, but in the long run, to integrate it in a daily habits, it needs to be really easy as well. Um, and that's, that's something where we really put a lot of focus on um, and the blood test that that's something or the biomarker analysis that's something at the very beginning of the journey which is a uh, an inconvenience if you say it like that but for the long run that's really something where people know well it's an investment so that I can have uh, uh, yeah so I can do something for my health understand my health and have it easier to integrate the solution in my daily habits, because that's the interesting part. After the blood test, you can basically replace all the pills that you're taking uh, or have been taking before through one spoon of Löwy a day, and that's it. And the convenience factor there, or the, the, you, the ease of use um, is far higher uh, than the struggle of going through an initial blood test. Yeah, but it's, it's this, this, this beautiful challenge for personalization companies, which is you're trying to be personalized, which lends people to say, we need to collect this, 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 and this. We need to ask X, Y, Z. And then before you know it, it's it's a it's a quite a invasive or it's quite um, you know a hardcore onboarding approach. And actually the irony being is you're trying to find enough stuff from them to be truly personalized in their view and to, to stay true to it, but yet convenience and actually not asking too much but yet finding a credibility is literally so difficult that balance and i don't know if you've got a comment on that with trying to yeah. at the beginning of this you said accessibility into the mainstream and the convenience is all about underpinning accessibility but sufficiently knowing enough about someone to truly personalize something but do it in the shortest possible time with credibility it's tough huh yeah i i, I think you 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 summed it up quite good. I mean, it's basically the the. I think the combination of all those factors that you just mentioned is is basically uh, one of the main reasons why personalized nutrition has not basically made it in the mainstream yet. Um, I think the interesting part is through um, the possibilities of technology, um, it gets easier and easier. Um, to, to, to lower those entry barriers. And uh, in our case, for example, um, the more users we have, um, the better also our questionnaire, our lifestyle questionnaire gets. Mm -hmm. So if you have the blood test, the lifestyle questionnaire, we, we already find correlations between them. So 
I think the in the in the in the at some point it'll be possible to have validated questionnaires based on uh, on a good amount of uh, of data um, to actually get to a level where you can personalize products and have different layers of personalization. So it starts with a questionnaire and then you give users basically the, the freedom to choose if they want to do a biomarker analysis, a DNA test and so on and so forth. And I think that's the way where it will basically go um, or that's the path where personalization will probably go. I don't think it'll be a winner takes it all market, not at all. I think it will stay as fragmented as it is. <laughs> um, and I think there will be many different solutions because uh, that's the only, uh, yeah. I mean, and that, that, that's something that the user and the customer also wants because we, we know it ourselves, I mean, there are some users that prefer pills. There are some users that prefer gums uh, or, or granules. I think that that won't change. This is another interesting, not a dilemma or quandary, but a decision-making point, which is to some degree, what if I interpret that right, what you're almost saying is we, the ideal scenario is you offer a very a personalized linear approach, but actually consumers still like choice. So maybe they don't want to do everything. So they could still choose to do biomarkers or DNA. Maybe they want a different format of your product or whatever. So there's also, you're trying to build in an additional flexibility of choice within the linear, go from left to right, learn about you, et cetera. Is that correct? Exactly, exactly. So um, we consider ourselves um, at Louis, we consider ourselves as a technology and uh, analytics company. Mm -hmm. Um, and what we have basically created is a personalization engine that translates input data into personalized recommendations. And that's, uh, and that's how we see it. And that's basically what we really feel like brings the most value to the customers because that makes it flexible as well. So we think that, um, for example, a DNA test might not make sense for everyone. Um, uh, but if you, for ex if you, for example, have done several blood tests and you see your body just doesn't absorb certain nutrients, it might make sense to do a DNA test to 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 find out, hey, what might be a reason behind? Uh, might there be a reason behind it? And I think if you build it up like that, you give the end uh, the end the customer basically a freedom of choice. Um, and to really and to really get into it, uh, basically, on a, more smoothly, uh, and don't overwhelm uh, the user with all the different things, because you can basically build it up uh, in a very modular way to say, hey, you start there, and then you go see how it goes, and then you can basically add on different uh, different parts as well. Yeah, it's super interesting. I I actually take one of the best things I think you just said actually which is I think it's really really important is that you describe yourselves as a sort of a data and analytics company or a technology company and that's that's a, a different mindset it's a different culture it's different recruitment it's sort of different people it's it's different uh, amounts of time being built on certain types of you know how you build the business <clears throat> I suppose how do you blend that with still the importance of at the end of it, giving something that feels very, you know, it's nutrition still at the end of the day is the ultimate solution. What they do is they consume something that they 
are trying to find as a you know a, a, a natural better you know solution to supplement my diet with something that i wish it was food but in this instance this is better so it is nutrition but how do you balance the fact that you describe yourself as an analytics company but still the nutrition at the end of it how does that flow through your company how do you manage that that importance i mean uh, that that's a really good point i mean the product the end product there is no question about that that the quality has to be on point so i think uh the the, the, the big difference is how do you um the big difference i think is where do you build your uh, uh, or where do you put the most focus on is it to build up your own manufacturing your own uh, 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 develop new ingredients and things like that um, or is it uh, you want to build a good baseline of sourcing where you have great products and we have amazing products that we are offering i mean we, we are working with Tour de france teams with uh, uh, we are working with uh, national uh, football players um, so product-wise, we, we completely fulfill the gold standard and go even further um, because that's always the baseline. But you always have to think, okay, but, but what, how, can you, how can you further improve uh, uh, the customer experience? How can you further better the whole, um, um, the whole product experience? And that's something where we put a focus on because the if you if you bring technology in the game, you can basically improve how uh, how the, the 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 end product benefits the end user. So in our case, for example, if we do um, repeated blood tests, uh, best example is myself. For example, so I'm a, I'm a heavy user of our own products and basically all of our team is and the interesting part is i realized after uh, two blood tests um, that i have a really really low vitamin d absorbability so my body just doesn't absorb it uh, uh, in a way that we thought it would uh, or that it would be normal so my my co-founder for example we had a similar deficiency after three months he got it in the optimal area and i was still in the deficient state and I now have five times the dosing and he does to get to the same area, uh, to the same um, blood value. And that's really, really interesting. That's only possible because we are constantly adjusting the recommendations based on a learning that we've generated through the first blood test, the first lifestyle questionnaire, the second blood test and so on. And that's something that is really uh, self-improving and it is only possible if you combine the end product and the uh, and the technology behind and yeah. that's that's where we are really really uh, uh, putting the focus on because that's basically yeah it's it you you cannot basically uh, it needs to be merged and that's the biggest problem that in the market because nobody or only personalized nutrition startups are basically doing that um that is the beauty about it you you it's <clears throat> test retest i start at the beginning yeah have a baseline i test again and i suppose it's worth reflecting on how many consumers 
using your system actually make a difference? I'm sure you know how many people have been through the system. You know the percentage of making a tangible difference. But before you answer that, just going to a nutrition company, buying some products, then subjectively you might say, yeah, that's really worked for me. I really liked it. But you don't really know. Or that could then be swayed by so many of the variables. But if you've got, I have these values, three months later, my values now look um, better. You can see it and you can see it visually. You can see it in a way that can express back to you, go, that's times when we made a difference. It's quite interesting. And, and almost there's a self-prophecy about it, isn't there? Because you're actually telling people, look, you're making a difference. Um, so I guess how many people do actually through this model improve, if you can give us some insight or share on that? Yeah, so we are still in the early stages. So we have a few thousand customers. Um, and the interesting part is that already now, um, we are on a level that we can actually, uh, yeah, just from a, so an example, we, we consider um, more than 9,000 diseases, medications and so on. Um, so interactions uh, with nutrients and um, diseases, for example. And we realize now that it's, it's really a, a a huge benefit for customers uh, that they don't really have to think about it anymore. Um, and uh, my example, my personal example with vitamin D just shows already on a uh, on a one-on-one -on -one level, um, it makes a difference because now I have always taken, taken vitamin D supplements, but obviously uh my body didn't absorb it i've always been never had the right uh, dosage for my my body and i think that's the beauty behind it and yeah i think the more consumers we have um the better the whole system gets for everyone and that's the beauty behind it and the consumer journey is interesting though so let's go let's make let's make this mm -hmm. break this down super simple so on day zero they take a biomarker test they got some mm -hmm. great recommendations come through hey adrian you need to do this 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 and this against these baseline levels please consume this you do three months later my god look at the response because not only have they consumed the product they've changed some lifestyle habits and they get to a really good place but what if they are in a good place and the tests tell them do you tell them you don't need this anymore what's how do you keep the journey going because if you're really successful you're getting everyone to a really good place so what's next on the consumer journey or how does that work well that's a yeah. yeah i mean that that that's really interesting part i mean why would you why would you change the products if you have a composition don't that know keeps that keeps your that keeps your uh, your uh, health levels and blood data in the optimal area um so uh, we tested it ourselves as well uh, as soon as we stopped supplementing we basically the values went down uh, again because we we didn't really adjust our uh, our nutrition properly so we are really focusing on nutrition as well so um, i personally for example I, I really value a balanced diet the problem is in in my busy lifestyle there's no way that i can basically uh, uh, eat what i would actually need to keep my nutrients on a uh, on a on a my nutrients level in an optimal area, um, so for me personally, it would be for example vitamin D, of, of folic acids, and and omega threes. That's something I, without supplementing it, 
my blood values would drop. Yeah. And I think that's the, the beauty about it. Um, you, you basically, after each test, we adjust the dosing, the recipe of the supplement. And at some point you have the supplement that really suits you and that really keeps you in the optimal areas. And then you don't really have to care about it anymore. And that's, that's, that's really that, uh, the beauty behind it. Yeah. And that's quite fascinating, really, because if I read between the lines, like all companies, you have to work really hard through the consideration phase. Oh, this is interesting. Is it for me too expensive? Will it work? Is it worth it? You've got to really work hard to bring the consumers into your ecosystem. It sounds like you're not having too many problems keeping people in the ecosystem once they're in because it's sticky enough. And three months later, being in a better place than they were only reinforces what they're doing is right, not I don't need to do it anymore, which is... Yeah. yeah, yeah, I think I have nothing to add there. <laughs> yeah, that's, no, uh, but, but that sums it up. That sums it up quite quick, uh, quite nicely. Yeah, I mean, um, I mean, that's that's the whole. Isn't that the whole hypothesis also that many uh, uh, many in the industry or many industry, bigger players in the industry have about personalization? Uh, and I think it's it's general the generally also the biggest challenge or has been the biggest challenge in nutrition so far that it's not really you it's not like you're taking aspirin and you have a headache and suddenly it's gone and you feel like yeah uh, it's working in nutrition it's it's kind of a dynamic process and a uh, which takes weeks months um, and I think that's the biggest or that has been the biggest and still is the biggest challenge on consumer side because nobody really knows if it works and I think consumers are kind of fed up with marketing claims and promises uh, uh, and i think that's also one of the factors why personalized nutrition is is really picking up pace because it really uh, yeah it really reinforces that and really gives um, consumers the transparency that they don't need to believe in marketing claims but can actually see it for themselves yeah yeah super cool right we've got to move on into another section i want to talk about the consumer i mean i suppose it'd be great to describe either yours or who you perceive to be the personalized nutrition consumer are they male female uh, young old um i assume they have to have cash that's 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 the prerequisite they must have some disposable how would you describe it, the consumer yeah so it's really, really interesting. So for us, the typical consumer is basically health aware individuals who are already using supplements. Um, and among those, I mean, we, it's traditionally uh, consumers who generally have a higher buying power because uh, I mean, uh, I mean, I, I think that's a general, uh, 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 generous case in the whole market. Um, the interesting part about our concept is that we don't really care who our customer is, whether it's a 23-year-old uh, uh, professional athlete or a 30-year-old woman or a 65-year-old uh, diabetes patient. Um, we, we could basically serve everyone without adjusting our model because personalization is at the core of it. However, we focus more on um, at the first step. Uh, we target really more on the on the performance um, uh, user um, and users with performance or customers with 
performance mindset. So whether it's athletes or the uh, or classic uh, consultants and so on. Um, and the interesting part is that our user base is basically really nicely balanced. So it's it's like fifty percent women, fifty percent men, um, which we were quite surprised as well. <laughs> um, uh, but that's, uh, yeah, I think uh, it's also, so, so for us, uh, that works quite well because those are the people who have been focusing on their nutrition and health already before. Yeah. I think um, what's important is generally when it comes to personalized nutrition, it doesn't really make sense to target customers who have no idea about nutrition, at least at the first step. Um, I, th I mean, in the long run, yeah. Um, but I think uh, to to really start the the growth and exp uh, to really expand into the mass market, I think we have to take it step by step. And that was our approach as well. So we started in professional sports um, because that's basically where the the heavy users are. <laughs> um, and since last year, we basically went into it, uh, yeah made it available and accessible for everyone. And yeah. uh, are now yeah. There's no difference then to any other nutritional model. You you exactly. start with the, your your evangelist. You start with the heavy influencers that buy exactly. into it. They you they you try it, you test, you learn, you make it better. They tell more people. You grow exactly. your community, and then the skills comes and how quickly you can accelerate that. Um, did you find? I guess starting there. Does that mean they're not so cynical about it? I mean, let, let me make this sort of different question. Is I feel like the more mass they go, the less maybe they know they wonder can things really be that personalized or can they really get great recommendations from just a questionnaire or biomarks etc do you face a level of cynicism from those first 1000 evangelists at all or are they very much like yeah this this is cool this could be done let's let's get into it how do you find their response um the interesting part is that uh it's it's really it's really funny. We have we have I had conversations with some customers who were rather skeptical about supplementation, um, and are now using it because they basically uh, yeah know that they only get what they actually need. Uh, I think our our concept is basically uh, yeah our concept itself itself is built in a way that it doesn't really give room for it because you only get what you actually need. So there's no question about uh, does it include uh, or, or is there any, I don't know, uh, are there any recommendations that, that are uh, useless for me personally? For example, I th we, we don't really have that um, the potential for that because uh, we have full transparency throughout our, our, our journey. So our users know what they get and why they get it. Yeah, let me um let me move on uh, to the to the product the, the end mm -hmm. product this is so the, the actual supplement the end of it which is really interesting because there's a decision making choice a lot so for those listening who who've loved the personalization they'll, they'll very quickly understand what I mean for those who haven't there is a number of decisions that people can make in terms of the end solution that they provide and it it, it's, it is an interesting decision making point which is you've gathered some data. Then you say, what am I going to offer them? And I would say the holy grail is one product that is truly personalized to their needs. 
Or the other choice, or at least one of the choices, they say, well, we already have 20 products in our warehouse. So we will give you four of those 20, which are now relevant to you based on your results. So we'll give you some vitamin D, we'll give you an omega-3, we'll give you a, um, a plant-based extract because you've said something about mood or something. And, and actually what you're effectively getting is four capsules, tablets, or any other format that really exists anyway. But you decided to go down, I would argue, the harder route, which is to create one product that is truly personalized. And I just, I just wondered, it'd be great first to understand, was that always the vision? Did you have a, a decision-making point? Did you consider other options for the end product that you would offer consumers? Well, the big, pr so yeah, so for us, it was really important to basically uh, try to offer one end product which is truly personalized because it's the easiest way to integrate in in your daily routines and honestly speaking if if i'm uh, if i would take all the ingredients that i have in my current supplement i would i would probably take eight eight to ten different pills a day um it, it, it feels more like medication than doing something good for your health uh, if, if you if you have to take 10 pills a day. Um, and also compliance-wise, uh, no way that I can basically integrate it in my daily routines in the long run because uh, some pills you have to take in the morning, some in the uh, after lunch, before lunch, and so on and so forth. Uh, and you have to bring it wherever you go. So, so if, if you're well in COVID times, I think that's uh, <laughs> it, it's not uh, such an issue. But uh, I think as soon as you uh, as, as the whole traveling starts again, um, there's no way to basically always. Or it's an issue to to really bring all of those different uh, pills with you. And I think from a convenience point of view. Uh, to touch base on the on the very beginning of our conversation i think that's it's a no-brainer to offer one product it's an, but it's probably the hardest route to go down just before we go into that a little bit more detail can you describe the product to everyone listening because it's kind of it's a drink if it's not yeah. powder it's beadlets can you describe what the product is yeah so, so everyone understands it yeah so so at Luby, our end product is basically or, or the supplement that we put together um, is basically one box which includes uh, um, a, granu a granulate which includes everything you basically need based on a blood test and a lifestyle questionnaire and the interesting part is we have a portfolio of over 120 different granulates different ingredients yeah. and based on the blood test and a lifestyle questionnaire we then pick those that are most relevant uh, the most Easy example, if you have a vitamin D deficiency, you get vitamin D in it, uh, and also vitamin K2, for example, to uh, increase absorbability. And that enables us to really to really provide a, a truly personalized product because it's really one-on-one. -on -one. So what? So when if people went to the website, there's a, there's a beautiful thing where you've got that, that image and it scrolls back and forth and, it, and it's loads of little, little granules, loads of little granules. Yeah. So, um, I would describe them as, as beadlets and they're all different yeah. colors. So is, is every single one of those beadlets a different nutrient? So one of those is, and a certain colored one is all vitamin D. And is that right? Another one would be vitamin E or folic acid. Is that correct? Or are they, is the beadlet itself, the granule, a bit of everything? It depends. It depends. So, so it depends. So, so uh, we have granules, which is, for example, only vitamin D, a, a granules that includes um, 
several active ingredients that reinforce each other's absorbability, for example. Um, yeah, so that really depends on, a, a, on which ingredient we are talking about. Does it make a drink? Is that right? Or how is it consumed? Uh, you, you basically, it, it actually doesn't dissolve in water. It, it soaks up because uh, uh, that's the beauty behind it. Um, it. It basically dissolves over eight hours in your intestines and yeah. it really uh, it increases bioavailability. And that, that's a great part about it. So I basically, I personally take it from the spoon and drink a glass of water after it. And we have many clients who put it in their yogurt or muesli in the morning. Right, interesting. So actually, yeah. It's funny, I, I don't get that usability or the versatility of it from the website, but yeah, see, so it's really interesting listening. Uh, that, that's good feedback. That's good. Yeah. No, I, I don't actually, I wasn't sure quite what the final consumption was, but it, but that, that makes, that makes interesting, interesting sense. And I suppose understanding the, 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 the bit about the granules makes it easier to understand that or gives greater transparency to me a little bit that it's not just actually it's a stratified based on your biomarkers you end up in one of eight formulations or one exactly. of 20, which i think is also another cheeky way that can be done in personalized uh, elements a, a stratified view where you subgroup people um, yeah um question on the product then supply chain must have been that must have been the hardest thing to put into place because the biggest thing that everyone says about this is how scalable can this truly be so just some comments on supply chain. So I'm sure there's things you can say and some things you don't want to say. So um, give us some real, like, what was the sweat, blood and tears around putting this supply chain in place? I think the biggest challenge basically was to automize everything because the different stakeholders and suppliers are not necessarily used to uh, such models, uh, which means basically they don't have the, uh, don't necessarily have the, um, IT infrastructure to to uh, to support such a scalable model. Um, that's something where we focused on, and we were uh, we supported um, quite heavily uh, at the beginning to really build that together um, and to really make it scalable to a level where you can have um, where you can yeah actually start a scaling and growth phase. <laughs> Uh, that was really, uh, yeah, I think we spent, spent a lot of nights on that. <laughs> um, but I think it's, I mean, the, the, the thing is, that's a lot of upfront resources and investment that has to go into it. But as soon as you have it, um, uh, you can basically, uh, yeah. So for now, uh, we basically can go uh, in the growth phase without any problem. I think at some point, um, the next step will be more uh, margin optimization and so on. Um, but I think that's something that comes with the volume anyway. Um, I think there are whole new possibilities as well when it comes to automizing the actual manufacturing process then and so on. Um, but that's something uh, I think the whole, the global market of personalized nutrition is, is still too small to actually get into this yet. Can you get to... And uh, can you get the price scalability? So by that, I mean, you know, if someone orders 5,000 MOQ, it's an expensive price. If they order 500,000, then the price comes right down. But I guess there's no price scalability in it, is there? Or is there? I don't know. Well, there's, there's, um, that's the interesting part because it's always, 
That's a great part about technology. Uh, I mean, if, if you use technology and automation, uh, if you have the volumes, um, the, it, it makes sense to automize the whole uh, uh, or to bring automization to the next level as well. I mean, the, 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 the thing with our supply chain, for example, is we know how it would work, but it doesn't make sense at the volume uh, we are at at the moment. Um, it's a really, it's a really interesting one. So I'd say that's then an advantage of the supply chain you've set up because in other areas, um, yeah, it's really talk different companies or options. Some don't have that scalability, even though what their, their, their end solution can be very personalized or, or, or certainly on the face of it. So it's really interesting that you can still do that. Of course, technology and autom automation, I would hope would drive that. It's just, it's really important, isn't it? I guess to investors as well, generally delivering it. Otherwise it, it, it there isn't you need to have some sort of scalability and pricing i think um so that's really interesting um just as a concluding uh, little last section agent um what is the size of the opportunity and maybe i'll ask this question by saying you've had investment i'm sure you'll do more investment what what is it that you how do you describe the opportunity to investors like how do you describe the size of the opportunity um well i think that's fairly easy i think generally everyone who kind of is uh, everyone who's interested in the industry knows that personalization will be coming um what nobody knows is in which form uh, uh but i think generally everyone who is in the market um knows that there's no way around it and in our case uh I think through the combination of technology and science, um, we are basically at the forefront of what's possible when it comes to personalization. And we also have a great basis um, to basically uh, build the market and, uh, and, and really grow with the market. Um, because in our case, we are not really limited um, or the nice part of as 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 long as you basically focus on technology, you can develop more quickly than any traditional player, yeah. uh, and are more flexible as well and more dynamic, and uh, that's why we basic uh, we really believe that uh, the market will be developing faster and faster, and I think as we are one of the few players that are already in the market. Um, we are basically on a, uh, in pole position with some others. Yeah. I mean, is there many, I mean, how, what's the change been like in the last two years since you've launched? I mean, is it, do you just, I mean, yeah. How would you describe the rate of change in terms of competitors? Would you say, is there many? It depends what you define as a competitor. So for example, yeah. I, uh, I personally think at the, at that stage, competition is not bad. It, it's actually good because it helps to create the, or build the market uh, and, and make personalization actually uh, a thing at the general public. Um, and for us, we, we realize our main competitors are not, not even uh, startups, but existing players that are offering standardized supplements. Uh, so the, those are because the end consumer is basically making the decision, where do I shift my uh my budget from from products i'm already taking to new ones um 
so the competitor is not really another startup who's trying to create the market and build the market um, because the general public is not using it before anyway. <laughs> um, so from that perspective, I think the general, uh, our competitors are basically uh, uh, premium standardized supplement uh, uh, brands. So two, two final questions, if you allow me. The, mm -hmm. the penultimate one is um, you, you've faced and spoken to investors a lot. So the selling is quite straightforward. Everyone yeah. knows it's coming or it's here. And that can be described in multiple ways. So in a nutshell, if you were to say three things that they then get really stuck into investors in terms of trying to really nut out, because they're not just going, great, this is an amazing area. So we put our money you know, straight away. What are the three top line things they really get stuck into in terms of them trying to rationalize this, this opportunity yeah. within personalization? How would you describe to that to everyone listening? I think uh, it's basically three points. It's, it's customer experience. So in our case, uh, investors have always been talking to customers first. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, second is really the, the technology and science behind it. That's really something they're focusing on because in the long run, quality always wins. Yeah, and the third part would be really uh, retention customer access uh, are customers happy with the service and, and sticking to it what's the problem solution fit basically yeah perfect um and then the final question is what does the future look like Malawi? how how, how do you develop this company over the next five years what, what are we going to see from you um uh, yeah by by 2025 2026 yeah well our goal is to make personalized nutrition accessible for everyone so uh in 2025, if somebody hears the term personalized nutrition, our goal would be that everyone is thinking of Levy. Uh in the same, in a similar way that if you see a red car that you think it's a Ferrari uh, <laughs> as a kid. So that would be that. That's our goal to get there, just on a on a on a uh, on a company level. Um, on a, on a serious note, for us. The goal is to get to a level where we can use all the, the information that we get and all the data that we have to really provide a concept and a system that is truly making a difference for each individual customer and that can, uh, can really help our users to, to achieve their goals and to solve any health problems and issues that they have and to really support them with that and to make it as easy as possible. Um, because I think that's the, the most important part to make it as easy as possible for them um, to really, uh, yeah, keep on improving their health. I know it's quite general, but I, that, that's really the vision behind that. Perfect. And a great place to, to finish because in some respects we, uh, we started there, um, but we've, gone through so many aspects to end up back at the end and i think that does enable everyone listening to sort of actually piece that together um and no matter who it is no matter who you are no matter where people are in the supply chain brands or somewhere in the middle personalization has or is going to impact everybody in one form or another and i think everyone listening has to try and work out what it means to them um and so that was great adrian thanks so much for your time it's amazing how quick um, 60 minutes tends to go, doesn't it? 
yeah yeah on only a few topics but thank you so much for joining us um i know the listeners are gonna get a lot from it so um great good luck with it um and we'll uh we'll maybe check back in with you in the future thank you very much it was really fun So a big thank you to Adrian today for another great conversation. I have to say the world of personalization is absolutely fascinating and just always raises so many talking points. I suppose by way of conclusion and and myself trying to get better and more concise of this for you listening, I've got six things I think are really important for you to take away. Firstly, I think the discussion Adrian and I had about the combination, the importance of science and technology, and that is what makes personalization accessible and scalable. Perhaps a little bit obvious uh, at a macro level, but I think it's a reminder that as Adrian described it, the company itself describes themselves as a technology and data analytics company. And and I think that's a quite profound mindset shift to what the traditional nutrition industry looks like today. And that's something for everyone to bear in mind with regards to what it might take in order to be successful. Number two, I think consumers want an end-to-end solution. They don't just want to be told what their problem is through some sort of questionnaire, DNA, or biomarker analysis. They want something you can put into their hand that can ultimately have an impact and change their scores, as it were. And that end-to-end solution is is fundamental, I think, to the personalization um, concept. Thirdly, I think it's still immature. I think Adrian reminds us all of that. So despite us being an industry getting so excited about it, we have to remind ourselves that consumers don't necessarily look for it. And I think that's a huge opportunity uh, in terms of where that can take us. But at the same time today, it just means we can't lose sight of that. And we have to respect the fact that you still need to guide people into this area. I think fourthly, customer experience or consumer experience. So onboarding, data transparency, um, quality of service, um, invasiveness of testing is a really important overarching uh, principle. And actually when you've got complex systems and complex businesses like personalization, then that's not easy to do. And I think also personalization has probably been guilty so far of being Um, not providing the best customer experience because ultimately you're asking a lot from people up front in order to truly say you're being personalized. I think fifth and sort of penultimate is about the product. Um, Lurvy have a one product stop shop as it were. You tailor the final product according to the results which is not the way that everyone does it. Um, That's a product challenge, a supply chain challenge, and I think it's a really fascinating one. So if you haven't seen the product, you should definitely look at it in terms of the way that the beadlets come together. Um, And I think that's a huge advantage for them to be at that point, because I think ultimately people would prefer to have that. And I think we do know for accessibility and scalability, consumers would prefer to take one product than multiple products. And finally, it's actually the concrete science I want to finish on. And that's the reminder that Adrian says, and quite rightly, and I fundamentally believe this, that science um, provides the strength of the foundation moving forward. If you have good algorithms, good um, data mining, data sort of interpretation models, that's really important. But it's still a bit of a black box. We don't see it enough. Data transparency. I think they're using um, third party universities to demonstrate proof of principle. It's going to be really important moving forward that that remains an integral 
uh, part or integral pillar of anyone's strategy to demonstrate that because consumers will continually look to ask that question, I think. And as more companies come into it, a differentiating factor will be scientific validity um, and proof of principle demonstration that their process and their system actually works. I don't think that's something we should shy away from because whilst we talk about being technology savvy, um, ultimately it still needs to make a difference. And I suppose they're my six things, um, all in themselves, hugely important six things, but things I think people really do need to take into account. So with that, again, I say thank you to Adrian for what a great conversation that was. I hope it's really driven some further insight into the world of personalization. Um, such an amazing area now and also in the future, but so much still to do. So on that, I'll leave you to think about exactly what that means to you and say thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you again in the future. So bye for now.